Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 672 for the 10th of Tishrei in a regular year. This is the episode for Yom Kippur. So naturally, I am pre-recording this episode before Yom Kippur. So hopefully you are listening to this episode before Yom Kippur as well. Or if you're catching up, then you're listening to it after Yom Kippur. For those of you that are listening to it before Yom Kippur, I wish you a very easy and meaningful fast. There's a misconception that Yom Kippur is meant to be a sad or solemn or very serious kind of day when in fact Yom Kippur is meant to be a very happy day. This is the day when we get our slates cleansed. We become like angels. We we are renewed. We get atoned for all of our misdeeds, all of the mistakes that we've made over the past year. So when we're fasting, unlike the fast of, for example, Tisha B'Av, which is meant to be a, fa- a very solemn and sad fast where we're, we're kind of like doing a lot of like we're, we're trying to get ourselves into a state of mourning, the fast on Yom Kippur is actually supposed to be a happy kind of fast. It's supposed to be that we're supposed to be tapping into a place of such high pleasure and such high connection with God that we become like angels who don't need food, who don't need physical nourishment in order to sustain ourselves. Like it's the one day of the year that we actually can have the potential to tap into this level of spirituality, of transcendence that uh, that allows us to transcend our bodily needs, our bodily functions, which is meant to be a very happy thing. So anyway, so that is just a little, little thoughts on Yom Kippur. I thought I'd mention that seeing as we are, this is the, the episode that corresponds with that date. And now let's get into the Tanya. So pretty recently, I went on a small mini vacation to Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach is a very touristy vacation town, if any of you have been there. And I happened to be staying in a a place that was really close to an amusement park. So now the really fun thing about amusement parks amongst the rides and all that stuff is the lights. It's really bright neon lights. It kind of gives this like party atmosphere. And the fun thing about staying in a place that's near the amusement park or that's near some kind of fair or something like that is that even if you're not actually at the amusement park at that time, and even if your windows are closed, and even if the curtains are drawn, very often, if the lights are intense enough, if the party outside is great enough, the light kind of seeps in just a little bit. Hopefully not enough to keep you up (laughs) at night, but just enough to give you that sense that there is something exciting going on. There's some kind of party outside. And while the curtains might be covering up the light to a certain extent unless they're really those really thick like blackout curtains like entirely there usually there's a little bit of light that comes through and of course this is going to 
depend on the intensity of the light, and it's also going to depend uh, depends on the opacity of the curtains. So how does this relate to the Tanya today? Well, today we're actually going to be talking about this idea in a spiritual sense, this idea of a spiritual partition, a spiritual curtain that exists, and a light that actually is so powerful that it bursts through the partition. However, just like a physical curtain, even if the light bursts through the curtain, it's not going to have that same intensity as if the curtain weren't there. So the curtain does kind of serve as this barrier to a certain extent. The same thing is spiritually as well, that the partition serves a very big purpose in the spiritual sense and the sense of really blocking out the full radiance of the light. But as we'll see, the light does still seep through. The light bursts through the partition is the language that's used to such an extent that it's the same light, even if it's not necessarily as radiant as it is behind the partition, it's still there. So what is this talk of radiance and light and partitions and all that stuff? What is this talking about? So again, this is going to be one of those very, a little bit more esoteric uh, episodes today. We're still in the middle of Epistle 20 of Igarasa Kodesh, which is the entire epistle is quite esoteric, quite Kabbalistic. But again, I'm going to try to make this as comprehensible and relatable as uh, as I can based on this this illustration of the partition and all of this. So what we're talking about, what the takeaway message is of today's episode, if you don't get anything else out of today's episode, but this one message, it's this, that the light God's light, God's infinite light, God's radiance is just as much present here in our physical reality, in our everyday life, as it is in the highest of all the spiritual realms. There's in an unbroken chain of this light that seeps through all of the worlds, like in this way of almost like a laser beam. Like, so lasers, like, again, that's, that might be a good imagery to think about as well. A laser is known to be so intense that sometimes it can actually even, like, burn through fabric if the laser is intense enough. And that's kind of the idea here of this beam of light that we're going to, going to be discussing today. This beam of light in Hebrew is referred to as the kav. We've spoken about this already. We brought it up a few times. Kav in Hebrew literally means line. For a full discussion of the Kav, it's like this is that's outside of the scope of this particular podcast. But in brief, the Kav is known as like the measuring stick through which God measures out all of creation. So it's sort of like when God, when God originally, he wanted to, I've mentioned this in previous episodes, God wanted to create a world, wanted to create a reality outside of himself. So first he had to make space for that. So he totally removed himself, so to speak, in such a way that his light could not be perceived at all by anything that he would create. And then it's like, okay, now there is the space, this void, this empty void. And then in a very measured way, God brought his back light back in in an extremely concentrated and constricted way and this is what's known as the cove and this is th again the measuring stick through which god measured out how much of every detail of creation what every single detail of creation was going to look like so the cove really contains within it it's kind of like the um the essence the really uh like concentrated form of all of creation is contained within this cove and this cove travels through a certain path, as we'll see. 
And we've learned about the different worlds. So we have like the world, of the, the four basic worlds, the world of Atsilis, Bria, Yatira, and Asiya. And we spoke about how really creation in the real sense of having something other than God really only manifests in the second world, in the world of Bria. Whereas in the first world, the world of Atsilis, it's just emanations. Everything is really nullified to God. So in that world of Atsilis, the cove is totally there and it's totally shining and radiant in its full glory it totally manifests godliness in the full sense but then within that atzillus in order for there to be that thing other than god in a real sense that ex nihilo creation that we've been talking about god set up a partition through which that which would stop which would halt that that line that cove from moving and then that partition after that partition that's when all the other worlds come about and some people mistakenly think that the partition really obstructed the light entirely so that now it was just like, okay, up until the partition, it was really just pure godliness and it was really the essential nature of god godliness and this ability to create ex nihilo. And then after that, after the partition, you have all of these different creatures and these different creations, but somehow they're, they're really, really separate from God. And what we'll learn about today is that this is not the case at all, that the only difference in terms of the worlds that are below Atsilas is in terms of the radiance of this cove, in terms of how much they manifest and reveal the, their inherent godliness. But in terms of their essential nature, the, the godliness is still there the ability to create this this creative ability this which is epitomized in the creation of ex nihilo is still there in all of the worlds as it comes down so today we're going to explore this a little bit it does get quite technical so just bear with me and again if you don't get all the details that's okay again the, the really the main message of today is just this idea of how godliness essential godliness really seeps down into everything and everywhere into our physical world and that's the basic idea but today we're going to really you know try to unpack it all like in kind of like mapping it out like we're exploring that whole process just like we would if we were studying let's say biology love deal or something like that where we would want to really explore a certain organ or a certain cell or something like that and really get into all the details so that's that's kind of what we're doing here so let's get into the text and see how the altar explains this and once again i will explain this to the best of my ability but it's so dense <laughs> there's just like a lot of really really dense ideas here that each one like every sentence could be a whole episode or more <laughs> on its own so bear that in mind when you've, you're feeling frustrated like I kind of felt frustrated learning this and thinking about how to give it over because it is it is really really dense but we'll do the best we can we'll learn this together so here we go so and again for context we are in the middle of epistle 20 of Igarius HaKodesh so the altar begins and he brings up this idea of the zivug of the union between the Zer Anpin and Nukva of Bria Yitzhira and Asiya so just as a quick refresher, we've spoken about this previously, that there's the, the Zer Anpin is the six male masculine emotive attributes. The Nukva is Malchus. And we've spoken about how the union between the Zer Anpin and the Nukva world of Atsilis creates the souls and the angels within the world of Bria. So you can go back a few episodes ago where we spoke about that. Uh, so now we're talking about, so what happened? So that's that's when you have this union between the ma masculine and feminine in the world of Attilus. What happens if you have this union, this uh, this intimacy between the Zer Anpin and the Nukva in the three lower worlds, in the worlds of Bria, Itzir, and Asiya? 
This causes, this union between these two forces, causes the creation, something from nothing, of all of the creatures and all of the formations and all of the things that were made in all in these particular worlds. So in the Hebrew, the wording is very specific. The, why does it say the beings, the things that were, uh, were for, the formations and the things that were made is kol hanivraim, hanotsarim v'anesim. This is a reference to each one of those worlds. Nivraim is an allusion to the world of Brea, the creation. Notsarim is an allusion to the world of Itzira, formations. Nesaim is an allusion to the world of Asiya. So basically, so once again, so the union between the masculine and feminine forces, the Zer Anpin and the Nukva within each one of these worlds is what creates something from nothing, all of the different creatures in each one of these worlds. How does this happen? How does it create something from nothing? How does this process happen? It happens through the light of the neshama that is found within them. Be why? Because the light of the neshama is godliness. And this light of the neshama comes from the vessels of the ten spheres of Malchus of Atzilus. So let's just pause here for a second and explain all of this and what we're talking about. If you're as confused as I am or as I was when I first read this. So the basic idea, as we've been learning about, if you've been following along this epistle for a while, is we've been really, really talking about and emphasizing the specialness of the uniqueness of ex nihilo. And that ex nihilo creation is something really, really special and it's really different than cause causality, that type of creation, like an evolutionary type of creation. And we talked about how this ability, this godly ability, which is unique to God to create something from nothing, the origin of that ability, the source of that ability is in Malchus of Atzillus. That's where it all happens. And to be specific, it's specifically within the vessels of the 10 spheros within Malchus of Atzillus, to be really particular. And we said that that is alone the only place that has that power to create something from nothing. Everything else we spoke about, Yes, different types of creations happen, but they happen in an evolutionary way. The power of ex nihilo, it has to come from those vessels of the ten spheres of Malchus of Atzillus. We spoke about this more in depth in previous episodes, so you can look that up there. So now the question is, the basic question that's coming up is if that's the case, that all of ex nihilo creation must come from this level of the ten spheres of Malchus of Atzillus, how is it possible that now we're saying that these other worlds, not Atzillus anymore, now we're talking about Brea, Yetzirah, and Asi, that they too have this ability to create something from nothing, that they create this creation happens through the union and mas masculine and feminine forces also creates these beings within their world. How does that happen? So the altar explains this happens because of the light of the neshama that's found within each, each one of these worlds. And the light of the neshama, the light of the soul that's found in each one of these worlds, like each world has different aspects to it. And one of the aspects of, of each world is its soul. And that soul is godliness. And that soul comes from the vessels of the ten spheres of Malchus of Atzillus. So, uh, so to explain this in kind of like a progressive way is that the way this happens is that within the world of Atzillus, then you have the vessels within the world of Atzillus. And we said that there's actually 30 vessels in total. There's 10 internal vessels, 10 middle vessels, and 10 vessels. And these 10 external vessels of each world become the neshama, become the soul of the world below it. So here we see that basically the 10 external vessels of Malchus of Atzillus became the neshama of the world of Bria. And so since the neshama of the world of Bria is coming from these 10 
vessels, which those 10 vessels have within them the power to create ex nihilo, the neshama also contains within it that, that vitalizing force, that ability to create something ex nihilo. So that's, that's reason number one. We're going to go through a few reasons as to why it is that these, these different worlds, the neshama with, within each one of these different worlds has the ability to create ex nihilo. So that's, that's one. It's because the neshama actually comes from the vessels, from the kalim of, of Malchus of Atzilus, so which which is the source of the creation ex nihilo now reason number two what's the second reason so within this malchus of atzillus within these uh, these uh, vessels of malchus of atzillus which is where the neshama comes from we find that there is a radiance of the kav of the infinite one the or the infinite light the or insof the radiance of this kav is vested within the world of atzillus up until what's known as the parsa. So the parsa is what's known as the partition. So within, we spoke about this in the introduction. So within the world of Atsilis, there's, uh, there's, you know, the radiance of God. It's totally God emanation and, and nothing but God. And then there's this partition that separates Atsilis from the other worlds. And up until that point of the parsa, up until the point of the partition, the radiance of this kav shines and, and is very strong and very manifest there. And by virtue of it being very strong and manifesting there, so what does that mean? It means that this radiance of the Kav radiated within specifically within the vessels of the 10 spheros of Malchus. So now again, so back to these 10 spheros of Malchus. So we, we said already that the 10 spheros of Malchus, they uh, created the neshama of the world below it, right? The, the world of first Bria and then eventually Yatira and Asiya. So since the radiance of the Kav was vested within these vessels, then when the vessels broke through the partition, because that's what they needed to do in order to get to those lower worlds, they like smuggles along with it, the, this radiance of the Kav along with it. And so this caused the fact that this radiance of this Kav to shine really within these other worlds, these worlds of Bria, Tira, and Asira, just like it shines within the world of Atsilis itself. So again, so just like, so even though, yes, the partition is there, but somehow it broke through the partition by virtue of like kind of being smuggled through with the keyling. Just like, it's like if you have like a partition on a window that is supposed to like not have the light let come in if the light is strong enough and if like you use like a laser beam or something like that then even the light might be able to burst through that partition so so far we have two reasons why that this potential for creation ex nihilo this this creative ability is found within the worlds of Briatia the first one is that okay the creative ability to create these things within these worlds is coming from the neshama of each world the source of which is the kalim the vessels of of malchus of Attilus. and that malchus of Attilus is like we've spoken about kind of like the hub of where the creation ex nihilo happens the second reason which we just mentioned is because of the kav because the kav really is the true source of the creation ex nihilo and that kav is what gets the radiance of that cove gets vested within these vessels and that kind of gets smuggled through together with the vessels into those lower worlds giving it the ability then to giving them the ability then to create ex nihilo
Now we come to a third reason. What's the third reason? Okay, so up until now, we've only been talking about the radiance of the cove. But what about the cove itself? So within the world of Atsilas, the, the cove doesn't live in the world of Atsilas. The world of Atsilas is still a world, after all. So the world of Atsilas, as great and lofty as it is, it's merely the world of emanation. These are where emanations of God happen. But the, the cove itself, like the actual cove, the actual line measuring stick through which God created the world, this is vested in something even higher than Atsilas. Where is it vested? It's vested at the end of what's known as the Netzach Hodisod, or otherwise known as Nehi, of Adam Kadmon. Again, don't get it wrong with all the terminology, but what is Adam Kadmon? Adam Kadmon literally means primordial man, and this is a world, kind of, quote-unquote, I'm going to say quote-unquote world, that's even above Attilus. Why is it a quote-unquote world? Because it's not usually listed in the in when we talk about worlds. We talked about how there's the four basic worlds, Attilus, Brea, Tiranesia, but then there's this thing called Adam Kadmon. What's Adam Kadmon? Primordial man. This is the place of really potential, of like, it's like sort of like before any kind of world it's like it's it's like the 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 planning stage like really even more than planning it's like really it's before it's like the uh, blueprint kind of I guess you could say um, of the worlds like really that like beginning stage of everything before there were actually any kind of worlds at all and so in that so that place of Adam Kadmon contains within it everything it contains within it it's like sort of like God's plan God's master plan for all of creation the higher worlds, the lower worlds, all of those kind of things. And so this cove is the the actual, where is the cove? Not the radiance of the cove, but the cove itself is vested in this place. This is where it's found. It's found in the lower parts of Adam Kadmon. And what is this lower parts of the Adam Kadmon? This is the lower parts of what's known as the feet of the Yosher. What does that mean? Yosher in Hebrew means like straight. So with it, w which, which ends in Malchus of Asiya. Okay, so let's just unpack that for a second. So within Kabbalah, and specifically here we're talking about the world of Adam Kadmon, this like primordial world, there are two aspects of it. There's the aspect of what's known as Igulim, which means circles, and then there's the aspect of Yosher, which is lines, like a straight line. The difference between those two things is that the Igulim, remember we said that the Adam Kadmon is like sort of like the blueprint that kind of like contains the entire purpose of creation. So the Igulim level of that is that it's the purpose of creation in a more general sense. It's like the generalities, like the big, big picture of the whole thing, kind of like seeing everything all at once it's like it's 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 related to that level of soviv kolamin the encompassing the light of encompassing all the worlds that we've brought up a few times versus the level of yosher is more specific it's more direct it's more particular and so it's more uh detail oriented and it's related more to the imminent light the level of mamala kolamin so what we're saying here basically when we're talking about this this kav line that's found in adam kadmon and that it seeps down into the feet of the yosher of um, of this Adam Kadmon, we're saying that this it's it's like the particularities like and, and then it goes all the way down to Malchus Vasia, which is the lowest of all worlds, the lowest part of all worlds, which is the world we live in. So we're basically saying in in plain English is that in the master plan of all of creation, namely in Adam Kadmon, with all of the particularities and all that stuff, those particularities of Adam Kadmon, they contain within them our world they it's our, our world is part of that master plan in an extremely detailed way to the point that the cove itself manifests that 
so we are our world has that cove like there's there's like this unbroken chain through which the cove seeps down from that level of the primordial man like of the primordial creation down into our world so this is now our third reason why we see that this this power of the ex nihilo is found within all of the world so again to recap i'm going to keep reviewing as we go so number one is because the neshama of each world which gives it its power to create ex nihilo comes from the kalim the vessels of the of malchus of Tzillus. uh the second is because the radiance of the kav is found within malchus of Attilus and it it's it it gets like smuggled through the partition along with the kalium and then the third one we said here is it's not just the radiance of the cove but the cove itself which is housed and like it's vested within adam kadwan that cove itself like it's that adam kadwan which houses which vests the cove itself that adam kadwan contains within it all of the worlds including our worlds and all of their details and so now um and so now going along with this so we say so now speaking about this this cove so this cove is found uh in you know in its source in adam kadmon that's where that's where it's vested in throw away but then the radiance of this cove it it radiates out from there and becomes vested in the light of the neshama of the ten spheres of all of the lower worlds which is elokus which is godliness so it's like again going back to the souls of all these worlds the souls contained within them not only are they do they come from the kalim of malchus of Attilus, and not only do they have within them the radiance of the kav from the level of Attilus that gets uh, pushed into them but they're actually getting this radiance from adam kadmon itself which is even the highest place the the place of this uh this that where the cove is 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 resides kind of where it's vested okay now so we're talking about the so we've so basically we've been talking about the cove in different ways we've been talking about the essential aspect of the cove and then we've been talking about the radiance of the cove the ha'ara of the cove in hebrew now we're going to talk about something which is called the ha'ara of the ha'ara the radiance of the radiant so what do we mean by this so okay so let's let's go back to basics so let's say here we're talking about the sun let's say we're talking we're going to give the analogy of the sun so then the sun is kind of like the initial source of the radiant of all radiance and then the sunlight is that initial radiance that comes out now what's the radiance of the radiance so one way to think about it is that it's you know the sunlight goes into one room and then it kind of seeps into another room but actually a better way to think about the radiance of a radiance is in terms is in terms of a prism because in fact you know according to the way it's explained in Chassidus every time there's a new radiance that comes about from that initial radiance there's something that changes slightly there's a shift that happens in some way which is why we call it kind of like a new level. So if we think about, again, that initial source of all the light uh, as being from the sun, then the initial radiance is the sunlight. Then the radiance of the radiance is when that sunlight hits a prism, and then that prism shoots off new light that is gonna be in many different colors, depending on you know what angle the prism is at. Now, with this analogy, what's the radiance of the radiance of the radiance? That would be the radiance that happens after this 
prism light goes off and hits something else. What's that something else? That would be the perception of, of the viewer, of whoever it is that's seeing this, which is a very subjective thing, right? But that's the beauty of it. That's where our subjectivity comes in. So in fact, the radiance of the radiance of the radiance is actually our subjective experience of reality. That is the multiplicity of the world in which we live in, which is why that that in fact is the source of our reality of everything in this world, just the radiance of the radiance of the radiance. So again, in the analogy of the sun, we have the sun, which is the source of, of the light, then the, the sunlight, which is that or original radiance. Then we have the sunlight at as it hits a prism and shoots off into many different colors. And that's going to be the radiance of the radiance. And then the way that there's a perceiver out there that that those colors hit their eye and they perceive these uh, colors coming out of of the prism, that's the radiance of the radiance of the radiance. And so that's an analogy to help us understand how this works with God, where God is the source of all the light, there's God's radiance, and then there's God's radiance of the radiance, you know, how it kind of becomes manifest to us here. And then there's the way that we actually experience this radiance, which is the radiance of the radiance of the radiance, which again is the source of everything in the world. It's the multiplicity of the world in which we live in. So this radiance of the radiance of the radiance is found within all of the creatures, all of the formations, and all of the things that are made in all of the world. So basically everything that is made up in all of the different worlds. So, so again, so we have the different levels here. So we have the radiance that comes down, the radiance of the cove, and that is found within the soul level of the world, the neshama of the world, that's the highest part of the soul. Then we have the radiance of the radiance of the world, and that's found within the two lower levels of the soul of the world, that's the nefesh and ruach of the world, as well as in the vessels of the world. And then we have the radiance of the radiance of the radiance, and that's found in everything else, and all the 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 beings that are found in each one of the worlds according to their nature, according to what they are. The world of Bria has what are called Nivraim, like creations. Then the world of Etzira has Notsarim, formations. And the world of Asiya has Nesaim, those things that are made. And so the basic idea is that there is this chain. It's like there, it's sort of a diminishment of the light in the sense that it's not a direct light, but it is coming from the same direct source. That's the bottom line of what we've learned so far today. Now the altar of it brings a citation from Nehemiah, chapter 9, verse 6, where it says, Hayamim kulam. The seas and all that they contain were made by you and give you give life to them all. So it's like the basic idea, basically, it's to know that it all comes from the same source. Even if it's the, the differences in terms of the revelation, the differences in terms of how what is seen, what is ex, what is shown, but the source is the same. And then the Altar Rabbah goes on to say that and all of this is in the aspect of the extension of the vital force to vivify these things. So meaning to say that this radiance of the radiance of the radiance, which we just described, is the power, the life force that animates all of these different beings within it. Now the Altar Rabbah goes on to say, however... What's the however? So it's like, again, so it's like we've been talking about this whole creation ex nihilo and that it comes from the Kav and the Kalim and the radiance of the radiance of the radiance and all that stuff. So now the Altar Abba says, however, okay, all those things aside, the actual essence and being of the light of the infinite one, the Or Ein Sof, does not have any limitation of space at all. So it's like, it's very nice. We're talking about these different radiances and these different vessels and stuff being uh, responsible for creating space and 
and time and all of creation. But when it comes to the actual essence of the light, the essence of like where all of these radiances are coming from, the aura ain't self, it is not, does not, it is not bound by space at all, but rather it encompasses all the worlds equally. And when we say encompasses all the worlds, so just to understand that it's in Hebrew, it's Sov of Kol Almin. There, it we mistakenly might think that this is like we might have an image in our head of this like surrounding light, like a bubble or something like that. That's like circular or something like that. But that's not what encompasses means, at least not in this context. In this context, when we say encompasses all the worlds, what that means is that it's equally there, but in a hidden manner in all the worlds. So we can say the word encompasses or sovev, we can say is hidden, like present, but hidden. So this light, this essential light encompasses all the worlds equally. As it says, and this is from Yirmiyahu chapter 23, verse 24, I fill all the worlds equally, uniformly. So this is God fills everything in an equal measure. And there is no, as it says in Tikkunet Zohar, there is no place devoid of God, even in this physical world. So so God is equally present in the spiritual worlds, in the physical world, everything, everywhere, all at once. Like that recent movie that came out. Just that, he is found here in a way of makif and sovav, encompassing and circling. So again, he's hidden. It's it's not uh, it's not something that we see that we that's revealed. And uh, as this is explained in Likutei Amarim, which we learned previously in chapter 48 of Likutei Amarim, meaning in the first part, meaning in Sefer Shilbenanim, which we learned about way back when. So meaning to say that it's that that this light, this essential light is not found there in a way of, uh, of extension and, and uh, investment to vivify them and bring them into being something from nothing. So... Right. So it's like, okay, so this is, this is the question. This is, this is where we get to the point in, in the text where we have the question, where we say that like, on the one hand, we're saying that God's essential light is present in everything, but in a way that is hidden in a way that's just encompassing that he's in found in everything in an equal measure. And if it's equal, it's sort of like it's without definition and thus it's not there. It's not, it's not, um, it's not being invested in any particular thing to be able to bring it to life, something from nothing. So how does something from nothing happen? So we spoke about this previously. We said that this happens by way of a ha'ara de ha'ara de ha'ara, a radiance of a radiance of a radiance, etc., which comes from the kav, as we explained above, as we spoke about. Basically, we said that this like in soft light. So we were like saying how it's it's essentially it's not um, it's not revealed. It's found in everything, but in a in a, a sovev way, in a way that is concealed. But so how is this? How is it that this in soft light creates things something from nothing? It's through a ha'ara de ha'ara de ha'ara. It's through a, a radiance of a radiance of a radiance that comes from the kav. Ultimately, the kav, this is, the kav is really such an essential part of chassadis. The kav is like really this magical thing. It's like this transmitter of this essential light. It, 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 uh, it smuggles this, is, this essential light into places that it otherwise could not get. So this kav transmits this radiance of a radiance of radiance. So that's the first way 
by which this is answer number one to how it is that ex nihilo happens from an essential place in God. It's saying that it's not coming, it's not, ex nihilo isn't directly the orient self, but rather it's it's a radiance of a radiance of radiance of the orient self that comes through the cove. Okay, now the second point, the second answer that comes up here is that also the other thing to remember is that this light, this light, the Ainsof light that encompasses and encircles all the worlds, all four worlds of Atsilisbria and Yitzira and Asiya equally, this light radiates into the inner cove through the Kalim of the ten spheres of Bria, Yitzira and Asiya. So, uh, so basically, so again, the, the vessels, so it's, so again, we're going back to kind of what we've been discussing before, is that this essential light, even though it essentially is hidden, it essentially is Sovev, nevertheless, it does get radiated and thus its essence does get transmitted in some form, some way, through the inner cove. And when we say inner cove, we may... Uh, we mean revealed. So just like outer and sovav and transcendent is concealed, the inner means revealed. So it's revealed in the inner kav through the vessels. So the so the kav and the vessels really smuggle in this this transcendent light through the tense of Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya. Which, going back to what we spoke about previously, about this bursting through the partition um, of Atsilos, the you know the the light burst through the partition of Atsilos to enter into through these three lower worlds, and through this radiance in the vessels, it gives them the power to create something from nothing, and so uh, so basically so just to reiterate that so basically so we gave two answers as to how it is that creation ex nihilo happens even though essentially the essential light which is the source of ex nihilo is totally transcendent and uh, and hidden and everything like that so it's like how is how does ex nihilo happen it happens in two ways we described what there's two ways this happens one is through the cub through the radiance of the radiance of the radiance of the of the light that comes through the cub and secondly because not only does the radiance of the radiance of the radiance of the light gets get transmitted down through the cub but the light itself the essence of the light actually does come through somewhat in a in a revealed way it gets into the cub by way of the kaling by way of the vessels so the vessels really have this special power to be able to smuggle this essential light, a, a somewhat of an aspect of this essential light into the cove. And through it being revealed in the in the vessels, this gives them the power to create something from nothing, which is what, how they are able to create something from nothing, as we've spoken about in previous episodes. And now here, concluding this idea, since the creation comes through the vessels, this is why we see that really the cre creatures are uh, created in a way of, of multiplicity and uh, diversity and uh, limitation and finitude, especially when, when we talk about the letters, uh, which we spoke about above. So the letters are even more finite and even more diverse than, than the vessel. So that just, that basic, basically to reiterate that last point. So basically the reason why we live in a world that is so diverse and so has so much multiplicity and, and finitude and all of that is because it comes from the Kalim and from the letters, which are by nature all about multiplicity and division and, and, 
finitude and all that stuff. Like that's what vessels are. So that's it for today. So once again, I know these things are kind of abstract and I know that it's like as much as, you know, it's, it's like, I'm trying to explain these ideas and trying to understand them to the best of our ability. They are abstract because we are stuck. And again, we're, it's it, 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 like, it's like, we can try to understand these as best as we can and maybe we can get to the point of like being able to map them out but at the end of the day and that's kind of like the point of what we're learning here we're stuck in our human minds we're stuck in that we're stuck in the reflection of the reflection of reflection so we're not we're learning about the source of this reflection but we're not seeing the source of the reflection so it's sort of like we're seeing the rainbow but we're not seeing the original light that the rainbow comes from we're just learning about that light that the rainbow comes from which is something and that is the kind of the idea of Chabad Chasidus is to give us this consciousness of the rainbow didn't come in its own from itself the rainbow is actually an essential light again i know it's like really dense i know it's a lot but uh hopefully again it's maybe if nothing else piquing your interest to really learn more chasadas in detail also just the exercise of of trying to learn these things of wrapping your mind around these things like occupying your thoughts and trying to understand this i know for me it's like a very it's a pretty intense mental exercise to try to figure out first of all what is the tanya trying to say on a simple level and then trying to figure out how to teach it to you guys how to explain it to you guys in a way that is comprehensible to me like i i can't explain something i would not feel comfortable just kind of like giving over this material unless I really felt like I had a firm grasp on it, at least to some extent. And I don't want to be so bold as to say that I really understand these ideas for real, but they have to at least like somewhat, I have to kind of like have a logical map in my head around them and wrap my head around them. And I find that just doing the exercise, just putting in the work of trying to understand these concepts, that itself is the work. That itself brings you closer to God because you're using your mind, which is the whole idea of Chabad. Chabad Chasidus is the Chasidus of the mind. It's the Chasidus where we really immerse our minds and meditate upon these ideas. And the more we do that, it really like rewires our mind. It's like that neuroplasticity for the mind that we're really expanding our our brains to contain godly thoughts and hopefully that will seep into the rest of our being so that being said i will conclude here and we'll continue along these lines tomorrow where we still have quite a bit to go in this epistle so stay tuned and i'll speak to you then thanks for listening to the it is top podcast hosted by sarit switzer this podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzhak ben Benyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.